Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, grab your Bible. Go with me to the Gospel of St. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number one, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number one. And uh, I'm going to read a story to you, very familiar story. You've read it plenty. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number one. And we're going to start reading with verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. That's perhaps one of the greatest understatements in the Bible. Your fiance is pregnant, not by you. But being a righteous man, you didn't go off plan to dismiss her privately. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, watch this line. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. Watch. Jesus. Can we do something about that? Is there anything that can be done about that? She will bear a son and you will name him Jesus. She will bear a son. You will name him Jesus. Say that with me. She will bear a son. We can do this. We just came through a pandemic together. We can do this. Say, she will bear a son and you will name him. She will bear a son, and you will name him. Hey there, didn't see you coming. Check. There you go. All right. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Turn me way up up here, Bryson, if you can't. Thank you. For he will save his people from their sins. God bless sound men. They get all of the blame when it goes wrong and none of the credit when it goes right. Somebody show Bryson some love back there. We're going to just start all over verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. For the child conceived in her is from this Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You will name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Hallelujah. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Amen. If you are, uh, if you're anything like me about this time, I guess this probably starts happening in my head in November. I start trying to think and plan for the upcoming year. What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to see? What do I? What am I dreaming about? I know that's, I know that's hard to do, given the year that we've just had. All right. At this point, your goal is to just keep your job and not get sick. I get that. But if I, I I'm not that old. I'm only 38. But I have learned in the life that I have lived that what looks blurry now ends up making sense later you know what I'm saying you're good you're, you're good to go what I what I misunderstand now what I can't make sense of right now I'm usually able to gain clarity on it later and so a lot of times what doesn't or let me say it this way as hard as this is going to be for you to hear and as hard as it is for me to say it in ways that we don't even recognize yet, this year has been a gift. Right. Now, I know there's been people that have experienced incredible loss, heartbreaking loss, devastating tragedy, and we're not diminishing that or dismissing that, and we're for sure not saying God did that or had any role or any part in that. We've already talked about that. We've already preached about that. Everything does not happen for a reason, but God will happen to everything. God does not have to use evil. God does good in spite of evil. You with me? God is still good. And so in the middle of all of this, this year in so many ways was a gift. I remember when, when the pandemic first happened, when the shutdown first happened, and the whole world came to a grinding halt. That was actually so healthy for me in my soul because I was thinking, this is forcing me to quit running here and running there and doing this and doing that and packing my days from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, packing my days full of stuff. This is forcing me to stop and think and ponder and meditate. This is forcing me to change my pace and my rhythm, right? And in so many ways, this has been a gift. I want to preach this morning on the subject, don't be afraid of the gifts that God gives. Okay. Again, so many times when things happen, it doesn't look like a gift in the moment. But if you will survive a little while, you will see that ultimately all things worked together for the good. That's why David even said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. God got some stuff out of me and God got some stuff in me through what I went through. Are you listening to me this morning? Us going through this as a church, as individuals, as a church, as a community, as a nation, this will be good for us once it's all said and done. 
You with me? So when you lose your job and it doesn't make any sense, there's actually a gift in that. When somebody walked away from you and you didn't understand why, there was actually a gift in that. Have you ever found yourself at one point in your life rejoicing over what you used to mourn about? Come on, somebody. Have you not ever had somebody leave your life and it break your heart and two years later you look up and say, thank God that he did what he did. That was a gift to my life. Thank God that I lost the job because I wouldn't have been prepared to take this next opportunity that God gave me. Don't be afraid of the gifts that God gives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's exactly what we find when we find the first Christmas story. We find a virgin girl impregnated by the Holy Spirit carrying Jesus, and we sanitize this reality with all of our Christmas songs like it was a beautiful you re, We read the, we'll read the, the other day I walked in, my wife was reading the Christmas story, and she had Christmas music playing in the background. Silent night, you don't want to hear me sing. Holy night. All, all is calm. All is bright. When you read the Christmas story, Herod was going throughout the entire empire killing babies. All is calm. What Bible are you reading? People are being massacred. All is right, bright, whatever the word is. We sanitize the reality of what the first Christmas meant that God gave a gift, and that gift brought conflict. You ever had God bless you to the point that it made you controversial? You ever had God give you something and people start hating on you for it? You thought they were your friends. You never judge friends by how they respond to your failures. Anybody can look at you with any sense and shred of humanity and say, man, that must be real hard what you're going through. Your real friends are not the one that pet you during your failure. Your real friends are the one that celebrates you in the middle of God blessing you. That's how you know who the people are that really have your back. The people that can say, I've been believing God for a car like that, but he gave it to you, so I'm going to give him praise because if he did it for you, I know mine's next. Instead of looking weird at him now. I have seen people be a part of ministries and one person be, be asked to take a leadership role and another person not. And instead of celebrating what God's doing in your friend, you get offended at everybody involved. Your blessing made you controversial. I've preached this before. You ever had go, you ever walked in wearing something really nice and somebody say, How much that costs? Man, you know, it's a couple of dollars. Because it's weird now. Why is it that we automatically assume if somebody is blessed, they're evil? Get online and watch how people talk about other people blessed. You'll see people, you'll see preachers that they, they write a book and it sells 35 million copies. And someone's like, they stole it from the church. Half those preachers give all the money back that the church ever paid them. They stole it. Liars and thieves and charlatans, every one of them. Why are we so hateful when God's blessing other people? Why do we allow God's blessing on somebody else to make them controversial? Nobody's with me. To make them controversial. It's not because you're discerning. 
It's because you're envious. Envy is the pain you experience when God does for somebody else what you've been believing him to do for you. Right? If he did it for you, it's because of the favor on your life. If he did it for them, it's because they stole it and they have no character. Y'all with me? Tell me this ain't how we talk in church. Tell me if this ain't how we talk in church. Did you see that preacher with that big house? Stole it. Preachers that are rolling at that level ain't taking no money from the church. They can sneeze and a book came out and sold 500,000 copies. Ever seen that? You ever notice how your gift can make you controversial? How God blessing you? I have seen people be blessed and their own family reject them. Because now you think you're better than all of us, don't you? No, now I want to be the forerunner for what God wants to do in everybody else that's connected to me. That's why even if your gift, even if what God gives you causes people to cut you off, you can't be afraid of the gifts that God gives you. People will love you as long as they perceive you to be on their level. But the moment God starts to elevate you, their love turns to hate in an instant. This is exactly what God's telling Joseph. Joseph, don't put away Mary because it's going to make you controversial because I'm going to do something in the blessing that I've given you through her. Don't put that away. Do not spend the rest of 2021 having to back off of who God made you to be. You listening to what I'm saying? We've, I've, I've talked to people that feel bad that they have prospered during the pandemic. There's so many people struggling. That's why you're prospering, to help the people struggling. How did somebody tell me the other day, wonderful person, love them, sweet, God bless them, they love Jesus. Sort of. No, I'm kidding. They love Jesus. They said this. They said, I don't even think that a Christian can be a billionaire if you're a real Christian. Really? I did not know that salvation stopped at a certain dollar amount. Who else would you rather have be the billionaires? Y'all are so quiet this morning. Is it the mask? Yell extra loud so I can hear you through the mask. Who else would you rather have be blessed than the kingdom of God? Right? I don't even think they can be a billionaire and be a Christian because if they got that much money, they're in they this list, all of the stuff. And then turn around and have the same mouth. Believe God for a new house, new car, raise, promotion, vacation. It's okay for you to be a millionaire. But billionaire, wicked, vile. Don't put away what God wants to give you. You hearing what I'm saying? Don't put away what God wants to give you. I have seen people 
I have seen people get joined to churches as friends and then one person get elevated and another not and then they end the friendship because now they cannot seem to fathom that you are getting something I don't have. When God elevated one and didn't elevate the other, God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. And whenever you see somebody operating in something in their life that's not operating in your life, it's not because they had favor, that God favored them over you. It's because they worked a principle that we hadn't worked yet. You're hearing what I'm saying? You cannot break God's principles and then plead God's promises. Y'all are so quiet. Talk back to me. Merry Christmas. You cannot break God's principles and plead God's promises. Don't pray for prosperity if you've not sown anything. It doesn't happen that way. You can talk about, like Joseph, I prosper wherever I go and in every situation because you are with me and you've not operated in the principle yet. You're speaking the ground with no seed in it. Right? You're, you're truly believing for a miracle. <laughs> you're wanting God to bring fruit from dirt when there's no seed in the dirt. Don't be afraid of what God gives. And I believe that next year, I believe that there are some doors open for all of us that can take all of us to the next level that God has for us, to the life and life more abundantly that God has for us. But you have to prepare your heart and your mind to say, God, if you do it in me and through me and for me, I'm not going to put it away because it might make me controversial. Don't be afraid of the gifts that God gives. A lot of times, the blessing that comes into our life is a result of us operating in the gifting that God gave us, okay? Joseph, the deliverance of the whole world is locked up inside of what's growing in her. Your deliverance is locked up on the inside of you. Adam was looking for a wife. God had to put him to sleep and take what was in him out of him because everything you've been looking for, Adam, is already on the inside of you. I've just got to help you identify it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why he tells Joseph, I'm going to give you a son, but you are going to have to name him. I'm going to give it to you, but now it's up to you to identify whatever that is that I gave you. Because your deliverance is locked up in that. If you want next year to be different than this year, it's not going to come just because you prayed. It's going to, be called, it's going to come because you identified and named that gift that God put on the inside of you. And now you're letting it grow and mature and be the source of your deliverance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because whenever God gives you deliverance, you better hear me and hear me good. Whenever God gets ready to deliver you, God never gives you deliverance in fullness. God always gives you deliverance in seed form. They were praying for a king. They got a baby. Right? And if we're not careful, we will overlook what we do have, frustrated by what we don't have. Not understanding what we do have could become everything you thought it would be if you would just mature it properly. 
if you would just grow it properly. Some of you have the ability to lead, to administrate, to start businesses, to do things that's been growing on the inside of you. That's a gift that God gave you that if you want next year to be different, your deliverance is wrapped up in that. Your deliverance is wrapped up in that. I have people come to me a lot, a lot of times because I teach at a school of ministry. Let me see how to say this right. A lot of them are not going to be in ministry. Okay? And the people from Hamilton know what I'm talking about. I'm saying that carefully. They're just not going to be. Okay? And so they come to me and they ask me, you know, do I need to go to college? Do I need to do this? And do whatever you want. Go to college, get all the degrees, spend all the money, do whatever you want. But your life, your life and the quality of your life and what God does in and through your life is not contingent upon you got a degree. Okay? It is contingent upon I identified, I named. I'm going to give her a son and you, Joseph, will name him. I named what God gave me. That's where your deliverance comes from. That's where your provision comes from. That's where your blessing comes from. That's how God gets to you. What he wants to get to you is when you name and identify what it is that he put in you. Are you hearing me? We're, we're praying for things. We're praying for God to do things that he's already given us the equipment to do ourselves. We're always wanting God to bail us out of things. It is one thing when your four-year-old makes a mess and you clean up after him. Okay? That's one thing. That's my life currently. It's another thing if your 24-year-old makes a mess and you clean up after him. If they were fathered properly... What you used to have to do for them, you've empowered to do for themselves. If at 24, you were still having to treat them like they're four, that is called enabling. Right? But we want God to be our divine enabler. God used to have to get you out of stuff when you were a fresh Christian, just born into the kingdom. But 20 years from now, he doesn't need to be still trying to have to get you out of. There's some stuff you need to pray about. There's some stuff you need to gift your way out. There's some stuff. You don't need to pray all the time for more money. You need to just start functioning in that gift in a greater level. You hearing what I'm saying? That deliverance, everything you need, everything you're looking for is already wrapped up on the inside of you. It's so easy to overlook, though, because when God gives us fruit, he does not give us fruit. He gives us seed. Right? He said, even in the creation story, he said, I'm going to create every herb-bearing tree. I'm going to create every herb-bearing tree. Let me say it to you this way. You go outside, you look at the trees. Hang in here. Don't freak out when I say this. You walk outside, you see the trees. Not this one. That's fake. God did not create those. God created the first tree and put seed in it and said, now it's going to bear after its own kind. What created those trees were other trees. The seed that was in other trees. Right? God 
is the creator. He is the originator. But God didn't create what you ate this morning. Right? It was created by what was created by what was created. Are you following me? Because God puts seed in it to reproduce after itself, and he's not having to prop up the whole world by itself because I'm not just having to create over and over and over again. I created a system, and now the system works on its own. Right? And so I put in you everything you need, and you're praying for me for it, but the seed of it is already in you, and you just need to plant it and harvest it and plant it and harvest it and plant it and harvest it. That is God working with us. That's why we, you need to forever get the language out of your mouth that says, I live for God. You do not live for God. You live with God. We do not work for God. We work with God. We co-labor we co with God. You hearing what I'm saying? God does not give us fruit. He gives us seed. This, this building was made out of metal, I suppose. I'll use my house. Better an example. My house is made out of wood. God did not create my house. God created the tree that reproduced, and then we took the gift that God gave and turned it into what we need. God did not create that chair you're sitting in. God created the metal that was needed for that chair, and then we took the gift that God gave us and turned it into what we need. God's not going to create the life for you that you're praying for. God gave you the gift that you need to create that life, and now you got to turn it into whatever you want to turn it into. Don't be afraid of the gifts that God gives. You hearing what I'm saying? So if there's any hope for next year being different, it's not going to be because we prayed more, although I want you to pray more next year than you've ever prayed in your life. I want your prayer life to go to just to a whole nother stratosphere. I want your study of the word to go to an incredibly different place. But when we start looking outside of us, instead of looking at what God's put in us, we miss the very deliverance that we're asking for. Your deliverance is inside. God put it there. And now it's up to you to work it. That's why the Bible says a man's gift will make room for him. Your gift will get you into places. If you would just start functioning in your gift, you wouldn't have to brown nose and lie all the time. They would just need your gift. They would just need what you bring to the table. Trust me when I say this. It is a good feeling when people need you more than you need them. <laughs> Y'all ain't ready for that sermon yet. Hmm? Because of what you bring to the table is so valuable, we put a high price on it. I'm reminded of a story, and I'll close with this here in just a minute. I'm reminded of a story where there's a widow woman whose husband has died. Your Bible says this, that her husband was one of the sons of the prophets. One of the sons of the prophets. And he had so mismanaged things 
that when he died, his wife was going to have to sell her two sons to pay off his debt. Because just because you're spiritual don't mean you're smart. Right? And as Pentecostals, we've got to quit trying to Holy Ghost our way out of everything. You don't need a breakthrough. You need a budget. You need to fast, all right, eating out, cook at home. I talked to somebody not too long ago. That I was, we were talking about they had, they had money problems. It's like, let's talk about it. I don't know how I get drawn into this. I'm not a financial advisor, but here I am. We looked at their expenditures for them. They spent over $3,000 eating out. I said, I know where your blessing is. You've been eating it. <laughs> I said, do you have a stove? I'll sew a stove into your life right now. You just got a big hole in the kitchen? If you come where I come from back in the day, we used to use stoves for heat. Huh? Y'all don't know about that. Turn that sucker on in the morning and stand with your back to it because it burn your face smooth. I'll melt your face off. Talk to me, Tom. You know what I'm talking about. They said, we've been praying. And I dropped one of those Dr. Phil lines on them. How's that working? It's going to be terrible. It's going to sound like I don't believe in prayer. I do. (laughs) I just believe that our prayer is fake if we don't align our lives with what we're asking for. Get a budget and then watch how the breakthrough works. You feel like you got a raise. You feel like you got three jobs. You're eating out bills more than my mortgage payment. You can have a vacation home. (laughs) Y'all hear what I'm saying? Just because you're spiritual don't mean you're smart. And the Bible, Paul even said this. He said, when it comes to matters of business, be men. Be smart. Be sharp. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Sons of the prophets, she said, her husband died, left a mess. Now she's got to sell her sons. Can you imagine the frustration of this woman? I got to sell my kids. You walk around talking about thus saith the Lord, and you can't even pay your bills, and now my kids are going to be slaves? Just because you're anointed does not mean you're functional. There's so many things I could say. And we, what we call spiritual in the Pentecostal church, for the most part, is just dysfunction. Right? And we put the Holy Ghost label on it. Holy Ghost saying, I ain't making you do all that. Outside your mind. Just write a check and believe God. Ain't got no money. Swap the debit card and pray. You ever done that? 
I know you have. You went Catholic, Orthodox, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Pentecost, all of it. You, every denomination, whatever denomination will get that card to go through. That's what I am. You got rosary beads, you don't even know what they're for, but you're rubbing them. Got a candle burning in your car, just Ave Maria. And Elijah comes to her and he says, what do you have in your house? And her initial response is, I don't have anything. I have nothing. She says, wait, I do have a little oil. She initially overlooked it because it didn't look like what she needed in the moment. And so many of us are overlooking the little oil that we got because it doesn't look right now like it's enough to get us where we want to go. But Elijah said, take that oil and turn it upside down and start pouring it out and then watch what God will do with it. And then she started borrowing vessels, filling them up and sold the oil. Her gift is what got her out of her dysfunction, even though it didn't look like enough to begin with. And your gift on the inside of you is what's going to get you out of your dysfunction. It's what's going to make next year different. You got to start working that thing. Are you hearing me? A guy that I follow online, he wrote a book recently. He called it, Entrepreneurs Will Save the World. And the subtitle said this, Why You Are the Hope for Our Economy. I've not read the book, but I love the idea. You know what's going to save your world? You. And what God's put on the inside of you. What do you have? Well, I don't have anything. I can't preach like that. I can't sing like that. I don't have the money to start that. But I do have a little something sitting over in a corner. And I know it doesn't look like enough right now because it's not enough. But if you will let God get involved in what you do have, he will take you from not enough to too much. Your Bible said that when she filled those vessels, she sold so much oil that she paid off her debt and her and her sons lived the rest of their life off the increase. Do you? No, no. God gave it to you, but you got to name it. You got to name it. You got to name it. What is it? What do you have? This is, this is his actual phrase. What do you have in your hands? I preached a sermon about this years ago. What do you have in your hands? She said, I don't have anything. Wait a second. I got some oil. It's the same thing that happens when Jesus goes to his or when the disciples go to Jesus. Five thousand people, not counting women and children, have followed Jesus out into the desert, and the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, "Master, they're hungry." You know what Jesus says to them? "You feed them." <laughs> and you got to know the attitude of the disciples just by reading the stories. Peter's like. the master so Peter bullies a little boy 
He steals his food. Watch. And he takes, he takes some fish and some loaves. That's what's in his hand. And he takes it to Jesus. And when Jesus touches it, he multiplies it. But Jesus did not feed the 5,000. Peter took what was in his hand and gave it to Jesus. And then Jesus multiplied it and gave it to Peter. And then Peter and the rest of the disciples fed the 5,000. What you have in your hand isn't enough. That's the point. Of course it's not enough. Of course you're not fully qualified. Of course you don't have everything you need. Of course you don't have enough money to do everything you've dreamed of doing. But if you will get it out of your hand into his hand, he will multiply it and give it back to you. And then you can feed everybody that you're assigned to. Don't be afraid of the gifts that God gives. There are dreams, there are things locked up on the inside of everybody in this room that you're not waiting on a, you're not waiting on a release. This is your release. What's in your hand? Name it because your deliverance is wrapped up in it. Anybody that's ever really done anything, just, just think about the people that we're surrounded by right now. Anybody that's ever done anything great for God, they've done it because they took all of their pain and turned it into something that could help somebody else. Right? I was listening to uh, Dave Ramsey the other day. He was talking about whatever it was he was talking about. Probably about getting out of debt. But I thought about it. I thought, this guy's just built a $70 million building in Nashville with cash. And he's some of that anointing right here. Lay your hand, Dave, right here. And I thought about it. You know, his story is he went bankrupt at 26. And had small children. But took what he had in his hand. It didn't look like great gifting. It looked like a bankruptcy. It looked like getting sued and losing everything. It looked like being a millionaire and not having enough money to put gas in your car. He took it. And now is using it. To feed an entire nation. Taking what's in my hand. This pain, this bankruptcy, can assure you, didn't look like a gift when he was going through it. But don't be afraid of the gifts that God gives you. Now it looks like a gift because he sold it to over 10 million people. Don't be afraid of the gifts God gives you. That is the only hope for next year being different. Yeah, I hope, I hope, I don't, listen, don't, when I say this, don't do your thing. Don't do the thing that people do, right? If you're, if, if you're hoping that the vaccine is the answer, that's fine. If, if taking the vaccine will make this go away, I'll drink it in a milkshake. 
I don't care. Two to the neck and one to the thigh and an IV. I don't care. Okay. But as far as your life goes, we're not waiting on them to figure it out. And we're praying for them, and we want them to figure out what they need to figure out, and we thank God for everything that they do. We honor that. We honor medicine, and we honor science. Thank God for it. Okay, Science. We honor science. Oh, my God. It's so controversial. Man, the stuff I can say on that. We're not waiting on anybody else to figure it out. Yeah, I hope they figure it out. I hope life goes back to normal. In Jesus' name, I hope life goes back to normal. But for us, for you and for me, for us to have the life God wants us to have is not about them getting it figured out. It's not about whether or not your boy got elected. It is about figuring out, naming, what is the gift you gave me? Because in that gift is my deliverance. You hearing what I'm saying? Stand up on your feet. I know that sounds like an uh, a very different Christmas message. It was meant to be. I could teach you about the theological implications of Jesus' advent and what it means for him to be born of a virgin and what that means for his incarnational reality among us. We could talk all of those terms. And you'd still go home worried about your job, worried about the health of your loved ones. I get all that. But when he promised life and life more abundantly, it has a contingency to it. It has a contingency. I created you. I put seeds of deliverance down on the inside of you. Now, what are you going to do with them? If you ever heard of a great preacher by the name of Miles Monroe, powerful, powerful man of God, he passed away tragically in, a, in I believe it was a plane accident years ago. He was a pastor in the Bahamas. And he said, The richest place in the world, the richest place in the world is a graveyard because it is filled with untapped gifts. People live and die and never let the seed of that deliverance that God gave them become everything it was meant to be. We used to preach it this way back in the day. We would preach to people and we would tell them, don't, we would preach and tell them, you have to die empty which means make sure that everything God put on the inside of you, you release it into the world for your good and for the good of everybody else. When Elisha died, they throw his bones in a cave. Elisha prays for a double portion of Elijah's mantle. A double portion of Elijah's mantle. I believe, I believe that we read, I haven't studied this in years, but I believe we read in the scripture that Elijah performed something like eight miracles. 
Elisha prays for double portion. You read through Elisha's life, and he performed 15 miracles. Not 16, 15. He dies, they throw his bone and bones in a cave. And then there's a battle raging near where he's buried. And one of the soldiers die. And they take the man and they throw him in the cave. And when he touches Elisha's bones, he comes back alive. Because Elisha didn't die empty. There was still something in there that he was meant to get out. Don't be afraid of the gifts that God gives you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.